Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. It was Jesus Christ who said, If anyone would come after me, he must first deny himself, then take up his cross and follow me. If there ever was a time that we need to have people committed to following Christ, it is now. The world is in turmoil. Every time you look at the news, there's troubling reports about murders, viruses, and calamities in our city and around the world. The only hope we have is in Christ Jesus. As you listen to these messages, I want you to consider your commitment to follow him and your commitment to share your faith with others so they can come to know him as well. Come and go with us as we walk in the light of God's word. If I give my life to Christ, it is not mine anymore, it's his. See, once you give your life to Christ, you can't say this like the crowd anymore says, well, it's my life, I do what I want to do. That's what they say in the crowd. But when you come to Christ, he says, no, you are no longer your own. You've been bought with the price. Your life is not your own. If you have come to Christ, you have given Christ your life. And if we've not made a decision to surrender our lives to Christ, there's no need to go any further. You're just in the crowd. We will not follow him if we have not come to him, we will not follow him. Jesus then is looking for disciples, not just a crowd of people standing around calling his name. Discipleship then is on God's terms, it's not on our terms. Jesus is reminding us that the key discipleship principle is winning by losing, which involves self-denial, cross-bearing, and loyal obedience. He said, if you're going to come after me, I'm going to give you the toughest thing first that you have to do. The first thing you have to do is let him deny himself. Denying yourself is the biggest challenge that you will have in following the Lord. Denying yourself means to forget one's self. To lose sight of oneself and one's interest. You will say, well, how can I lose sight of myself and sight of my own interest? The Lord says, no, I'm not talking about the crowd now. I'm talking about somebody who wants to come after me, to walk alongside me. This is what it's going to take. Because you can't walk alongside me and go where I'm going to take you if you keep on looking back at what you're trying to get done. And that's why a lot of people don't want to commit to the Lord. We think he's going to mess our lives up. What if the Lord want me to do this? Well, I asked the question, what if the Lord wants you to do that? Don't you want to do that? The can says, no. Why? Because you have not denied yourself. You just want to come close enough so that when you got a need, you can stick out your hand and he can feel your need. And then you want to go on and do what you want to do. Yeah, that's what I want. Touch me, Lord. Lord said, come on up here a little higher. Can't, no, can you come down here a little bit? <laughs> Lord, I need a touch from you. Well, come on up to where I am. No, sir, just drop it on down. <laughs> Send it on down. Send it on down. Lord, let your Holy Ghost come on down. Come on and send it on down. Lord said, no, you come on up. 
No, send it down, Lord. No, no, no. I've been down. You come up. Well, I don't want to go up. I might have to stop doing some of the stuff I'm doing if I, if I come up there. The light's too bright. The light is too bright because the light gets to shining on you and you start seeing all, oh, I didn't know I had all this on me. The light's too bright. You don't want to come up there. I got to get clean to come up there. I got to pull some stuff off to come up there. You don't want to come up there. No, the, the problem in the church is you got a lot of folks playing church. You got a lot of folks playing holy. You got a lot of folks playing like they're Christian. You got a lot of folks perpetrating. I want to call them trans Christians. See, you got transgender. You got a woman trying to be a man. And then you got a man trying to be a woman. They are trans. Now, I'm just glad I ain't single no more because now you're going to have to get a DNA to see who you, who you hooking up with. See what you used to be. You get some pretty woman and the woman come and say, hey, baby, hey. <laughs> See, got people want to be something they are not. You had the little white woman over there in the NAACP saying she was black. They got people who are not saved. They want to be Christian. You're just looking at They're having church. They can shout better than you. They can speak in tongues better than you. They can praise God better than you. They're just trans Christians. They ain't even saved. They don't want to follow God. They don't want to pull nothing off. They don't want to commit to Christ. They want to commit to the action and the activities of church. Because I want to tell somebody, yeah, I know him. I know the man upstairs. Jesus in there's a crowd. And then there's the committed. I'm looking for the committed. To deny oneself means there is an entrance into a new state of condition. Not who I used to be. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you're in Christ, you are new. You're not who you used to be. And if you are saved and the folks that know you can't find anything different about you after your salvation, that's a problem. Yeah. This statement could read, let him at once begin to lose sight of himself and his own interest. It is to refuse any association or companionship with himself. I'm denying my self-interest. You can just simply put it like this. Lord, let thy will be done. Let thy kingdom come. We will say that. We don't even know what that means. Let thy will be done, Lord. But don't mess with this over here. A person who's not willing to deny himself cannot claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The self to which Jesus refers is not one's personal identity as an individual. He's not trying to take your identity and make us clones and, and robots. Every person is a unique creation of God, and God knows each of us by name. He's not just trying to get us so that we can just, without any kind of personality, just march in lockstep. But he wants to take our personality and who we are, and he wants us to just orient ourselves and say, Lord, you are first and foremost in my life, and whatever you want to do in my life is okay with me. In fact, I would assure you of this. 
you're never going to have satisfaction in your life and fulfillment until you are functioning in the place that the Lord has created you to function. You'll always be searching for something else. I need another job. I need to change careers. I need another relationship. I need to do something else. You're going to always be looking because God said that's not the purpose and the plan I have for you. You can look all you want and you'll be laying there. You'll be 80 years old. I'm like, Lord, I think I'm going to need to get me another job. You know. <laughs> the self that needs to be denied, which Jesus is speaking of, is the natural, sinful, rebellious, unredeemed self that's at the center of every fallen person. And that self can reclaim temporary control even over the Christian and cause you to shrink back from what God wants you to do. To deny oneself is to confess with Paul who says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. There's nothing good that dwells in me. I got to be careful. I can't do this on my own. I need to yield myself to the Lord every day. I need to ask the Lord to fill me with his spirit and with his power. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you have said to, to the Lord, uh, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You say, I must decrease so that the Lord can increase in my life. That's why he wants you to be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is your bowing your way out of God's way and allowing his Spirit to come in you and to direct your life. To deny yourself is to have the sincere, genuine conviction that one has nothing in his humanness to commend himself before God. I can't stand before God and tell him how good I am because I'm not. Colossians 3, 5 says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurities, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He's talking to the church folks. You put this away, put it to death, kill it. The King James used the word mortify it, where you get the word mortician. Kill whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You got to deny yourself. He knows you're human. He knows you're single. He knows you want to get it on. But he said, kill it. In Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The walk after the Lord is a process of taking off and putting on. That doesn't happen at the point of salvation. You come to the Lord. He saves your soul. He brings you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now you have come to Christ. Now you need to follow him. In order to follow him, you need to start making some adjustments. Okay, let me go this way. In order to follow him, you need to make some adjustments. I need to pull off some stuff. And that's where it comes the struggle. We don't want to pull off some stuff. We like that stuff. We like that stuff. That's why he said you have to deny yourself. If you're coming after me, I can see Jesus right now. He wants you to come after him. And we say, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And we, he's walking and he's looking. Why are you so far back? Come on. Like the little kids. Come on. And then you're sitting back there because you got all this stuff that's, that's starting to you know, you think you're going to have to pull off and you don't want to pull it off and now you get further and further back. And then you wonder why you, I can't feel the presence of the Lord like I used to. 
When you were walking up real close behind them, you can feel the presence of the Lord. You had peace, you had some joy, uh, and you, you were really feeling good about your walk with the Lord. But uh, as you pass by some of the stuff that you used to like, <laughs> you pass by some of that stuff you used to like, and see, the devil know what you like. And it's a blinking light. It's a strobe light when you pass by it. And then yeah, I'm following the Lord with all of my heart. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. What was that? <laughs> and the Lord's not going to stop just because you stop. He's going to keep moving forward. Next thing you know, I don't I feel so distant from the Lord. Yes, you are distant from the Lord. You don't feel that way. You are. So that was number one. <laughs> But that's the hardest part. If you can do that part, you can do the next part. Denying oneself is the most difficult part. The second requirement of discipleship is to take up one's cross. A cross, now listen, your cross is not living with an unsaved husband. That's not your cross. Or a nagging wife, well, I'll take that back. <laughs> a nagging wife or a domineering mother-in-law, that's not your cross. A cross is not having a physical challenge or suffering from an incurable disease. That's not your cross. A cross is not having a baby daddy who's not paying child support. That's not your cross. To take up one cross is simply to be willing to pay any price for Christ's sake. What am I willing to do? Taking up your cross is am I willing to be obedient to what the Lord has asked? It is the willingness to endure some shame or embarrassment or rejection and persecution and even martyrdom for the sake of Christ. Now, we don't do martyrdom over here in the States. You know, we're not going to follow him like that. But haven't you seen the pictures here in the last year of those over in the Middle East who were Christians lined up on the beach? And got their head cut off because they were Christians. See, we don't do that. We tell the Lord, okay, Lord, I was following you, but I'm good now. We ain't going to do that. We won't say anything on our job when somebody's talking about this, that, and the other. And how we ought to have all the gay rights and the privileges. We ain't going to say nothing. Uh-uh. Oh, no. Are we? Because we don't want them to look at us funny. We're not going to say nothing about abortion and, and Planned Parenthood. Oh, we ain't going to say that. Well, you know, I don't believe the Lord wants us to get involved in politics. That ain't politics when all these babies are getting killed. But we're not going to say nothing. That's too big a cross to carry. I might get five. Well, who gave you the job? God gave you the job. He can give you another one. Now, I don't mean you have to go around being obnoxious and all of that. The reason that all of this stuff is going on is because the folks who should be following the Lord hadn't said anything. If nobody's saying anything, everything that is said is okay. You just be saying in your mind. Mm -mm. <laughs> you come up for prayer. Would you pray I get me another job? The folks on my job are just full of the devil. Well, no, you got the light turning on. Ooh, I can't stand this job. Well, did you say anything? No, I ain't say nothing. I just can't stand the job. I just got my oil in my office. I got my oil. I anoint my desk. I anoint everything in here. Mm -hmm. The people come in there, what's all that on your desk? They had to send the cleaning people in there. You got 
There's a time when you need to, you need to step up and say something. I remember I was on a corporate job and gay rights and all that stuff has been coming a long time. Uh, it was 20 years ago. They was on a job and they was talking about uh, same-sex benefits and all of that. Oh, no, they was talking about uh, harassing gays and stuff and anti-harassment policy. I said, okay, uh, let me ask a question. So how are we supposed to know if they're gay? What does you mean? How do you define that? How do you define gay? What's the definition? Well, you know. I said, no, I don't know. you telling us if we say something to someone who practiced that, that we could be in trouble, but how are we supposed to know? Uh, how do we know? Is it, is it who they are or what they do? If a man have a thought about another man, does that make him gay? No. So I worked it down. So you got to do something, right? So now you're telling us not what he is, but what he does. Because he can stop doing that and he ain't that no more. You're putting us in a bad spot. And I said, and secondly, y'all don't have a good understanding. Uh, you're going to give benefits to two people that live together that's not married, they same sex? I said, uh, just a few years ago, uh, I had a roommate. He was a guy. I was unsaved. If you had these benefits, we were going to take them. Because <laughs> you don't know. You're a dummy. What's wrong with you people? You're going to get hustled. Three or four people after, I'm sure glad you said something. <laughs> you glad I said something? <laughs> I'm the one going to get fired. <laughs> but I was a disciple. God had another plan for me. I didn't worry about him. I told one manager, he said, you're going to get fired. We're going to this meeting and you're getting fired. I said, you didn't hire me? And you can't fire. Now, I said that in love, of course. Everything I said, I said it in love. Somebody got to speak up. Somebody got to stand up. That's your cross. When you know what is right and you know what is wrong, you got to stand up for what's right. And when we don't stand up for Christ and stand up for righteousness and godliness, we get what we got. Can't hardly watch TV. I'm just glad I don't have any minor children anymore. The stuff that they're saying on TV, I'm like, oh my goodness. I know they didn't just say that. But we're not pushing back. So they're pushing forward. Why? Because the, the crowd is enjoying it. And the committed are quiet. So what's the cross? To the people of Jesus' day, the cross was very concrete and a very vivid reality. It was the instrument of execution reserved for Rome's worst enemies. It was a symbol of torture and death. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, that was not the first time that they had seen a crucifixion. I was reading some historical documents that said before Jesus' death around that time period, there were 30,000 people crucified on crosses. When the disciples and the crowds heard Jesus speaking of taking up the cross, they immediately could picture the poor, condemned soul walking along the road carrying his instrument of death, his execution on his own back. And the man who took up his cross had began his death march. And Jesus said, when you deny yourself, you take up your cross you are beginning a death march. You, when you walk away from that sinful lifestyle, you begun your death march. When you pull off lying and stealing, you began that death march. When you 
put away fornication and sex before marriage. You, you began that death march. When you, when you put away your addicting habits, you're in that death march. You're dying to self. When you, when you put away your rage and your anger, you're in that death march with that cross on your shoulder. When you put away your profane language and your dirty jokes, you are, you're, you're in that death march. You're dying to self and becoming alive to Christ. When you no longer conform to the things of this world, but are being transformed by the renewing of your mind, you're in that death march with your cross. When you begin to quench every fiery dart of the enemy, you're in that death march with that cross. Jesus said, take up that cross. The cross represents suffering that is ours because of our relationship with Christ. Jesus doesn't call disciples to himself to make their lives easy or prosperous, but to make them holy and productive. The third requirement of discipleship is loyal obedience. Only after you deny yourself and take up his cross are you prepared then to follow. Discipleship is submission to the lordship of Christ that becomes the pattern of our lives. Now we're in a lifestyle of following Christ. Again, in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoers. There's going to be people that's going to come and try to make a case for themselves. Lord, I prophesied in your name. I used to wonder why would people who prophesied in his name and people who cast out demons and performed miracles, why is he going to say that about them, that they didn't know him? Uh, I was looking at that one time and I realized something. He said, many will say to me on that day. He said, they said that. That don't mean they did that. That's what they said. I ain't say they did that. That's what they said. I never knew them. 1 John 2, 5 says, This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. He says, you must follow me. And that follow means to take the same road as another does. Doesn't mean to follow behind, actually. This follow me has the connotation of walking right alongside of me. Accompanying the other person. Taking the same road. So you had the first two requirements, deny yourself and take up your cross. There are a summary command to be obeyed at once. Deny yourself, take up your cross. The coming after me then is a once and for all act. Once you come after me, keep coming after me. There's a big difference between being committed to church and being committed to Christ. This is Jerry G. Martin. There are many people who think they have it made by just going to church. But it is the Lord Jesus Christ who said, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? These messages are to remind us of our commitment to come to him and to follow him and allow him to be the Lord of our lives. If you would like to hear today's message again in its entirety, You can go to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily, Jerry G. Martin. You can listen to today's message or previous messages that you've heard on this station. I want to be sure that all of you who are listening 
have made a commitment to Christ Jesus. If you haven't done so, you can do so now. We have a member of our prayer team that is available to pray with you about coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Call us at 281-964-1393. Again, that's 281-964-1393. Visit us online at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. Watch our live stream services Sundays at 10 a.m., And of course, you can join us in person. We're at 16161 Old Humble Road, 10 o'clock each Sunday morning. If you have a need for Bibles, Sunday school books, offering supplies, communion supplies, or church supplies, call us at the Beacon Bookstore right here on our campus at 281-441-2885. 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying... May the Lord our God richly bless you and we'll be with you again next time.